The book of Philippians chapter number four is where we're at today. We're starting with verse number six. The title of this message I've entitled The Antidote for Anxiety. The Antidote for, or an Antidote for Anxiety. And so if you look with me today in Philippians six, remember this is a letter written from the pen of the Apostle Paul. He's writing from Rome where he's imprisoned. He's writing to Macedonia to a church there at Philippi. Philippi was the first church established in Europe by the missionary team, Paul and Silas and Luke and Timothy. And so there this uh, church was started. There was a love relationship between the church in Macedonia and Philippi and with Paul. They were supported of, of him. They sent uh, mission support to him, often in other hard places. They prayed for him regularly, and he was the apostle and missionary that helped plant that church, and they had an ongoing love relationship. They had sent a love gift from Epaphroditus through the hands of Epaphroditus all the way from Macedonia to Rome, hundreds of miles, and then now he's sending back a letter through Epaphroditus, and it's being read to the whole church, encouraging them. That's this letter uh, called Philippians. And so it's been preserved by the Holy Spirit and put in the canon of Scripture for our instruction. It gives us some of the greatest Christology that you find in all of the New Testament. It gives us, it sees this love relationship between Paul and them, how he's encouraging them to stay steadfast and strong in their walk with God, to be united in spirit, to have the same attitude in themselves that was also in Christ Jesus, reminding them of who they are in Christ. It's a letter filled with thanksgiving and with joy. Even though he's writing from prison, he's exhorting them to be joyful in the Lord. And so we come to chapter number four. We're winding this down to uh, chapter number four as he's giving us instruction uh, about how to live out this faith in our life. And we're going to look at a text today that often is just sort of proof text, picked out of context and quoted. But I think it's better to look at it in the context of the whole book. And if you look with me to chapter number four, beginning with verse number six, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all comprehension shall guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. And the things that you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace shall be with you. I love that in verse number nine, he says, the God of peace will be with you. Do this, practice this, and the God of peace will be with you. And then in verse number six and seven, he says, instead of being anxious, be prayerful. And he says, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. The theme here is the peace of God or the God of peace, that he will bring peace into your life. He exhorts them to not be anxious. Anxiety 
Anxiety subverts our faith. And anxiety brings all kinds of issues into our life. Americans consistently, as in a culture, as a culture of stress and anxiety, we reap the, all kinds of negative things from this. It uh, affects us physically. Our blood pressure, heart problems, obesity, insomnia, sleep disorders, diabetes. It, it affects us when we are under stress and, 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 and then it affects our produ productivity and uh, we are fatigued or running on adrenaline all the time and then living in the tyranny of the urgence and stress and, and exhaustion physically and then it affects our peace of mind, doesn't it? It brings turmoil in your life, sometimes depression and anger. It interrupts your life and it's, it hurts your relationships, your relationship with your spouse, relationship with your children, your grandchildren, your relationships at work. It, it's it, this underlying stress and anxiety and fear and anger that is in our life. It destroys and frays relationships, but it hurts us spiritually too. It hurts us spiritually because it brings a paralysis into our life about our spiritual life. It puts us into bondage to fear. It undermines our trust in God and it dwarfs our spiritual growth. It incapacitates us spiritually. One preacher described it, it's like a giant elephant sitting on the spiritual air hose in your life. And you just can't get any spiritual oxygen. The truth of the matter is, when you get filled with all of this fear and all of this anxiety, it overflows in anxiousness and anger and hurt and, 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 and uh, a sense of desperation and, and urgency, like things are going to fall apart. And uh, listen, it, it's I just a cursory reading of some of the stuff put on Facebook just exposes all of this. Do you believe in a sovereign God that has us? Do you believe in the sovereignty of God? That he holds us and cares for us, loves us, has us in his hand. Listen, God's taking, he's the ruler. He's in charge of this world. He's taking care of things. People write things, the most crazy things. You know, if, if Trump doesn't get elected, the whole world's going to come to an end. If Trump does get elected, the world's going to come to an end. It's according to what kind of where you're at. I'm going to tell you something. This world's not coming to an end. God, God's ready for it to come to an end. Amen. We're going to trust Him. Rest in Him. Amen. So today, Paul is writing to these Christians. They're believers. And they were living in very uncertain times. And so are we. And as he's writing to them, he's saying, don't allow your lives to be so wrapped up in material well-being and peace that, that they fall apart when your standard of living is threatened in some way. So the first word that he gives us is be anxious for nothing. So the first point in this message is, and it's part of this antidote for anxiety, is don't be anxious. <laughs> don't be anxious. The word anxious here means to be pulled apart, to be distressed. To, it's, it's where you're kind of coming apart. You're losing your mind. You're losing your joy. You're losing your peace. Literally, it says, in nothing be anxious. Don't be anxious for anything. Don't be eaten up with anxiety. Now, here's the question. 
Can you not be anxious? Pastor, I don't know how to stop. I can't help it. I hear you. Okay, is it possible for you to say, I will not be anxious? It reminds me of a Bob Newhart series, uh, uh, an episode in his series years and years ago, the comedian. Newhart plays a counselor, and people are coming in, sharing their problems with him. And, and finally, somebody comes in, they're talking about all of their phobias, and, and uh, he said, just stop it. And they said, don't you have any other advice? He said, stop it. <laughs> Somebody else comes in with all kinds of addiction problems. He said, just stop it. <laughs> and it's just kind of funny. The idea is, if I could just stop it, I wouldn't be in here talking to you about it. But his advice was stop it. Is it possible to stop it? As believers... We have given our lives to Jesus Christ. As believers, His Spirit has come to dwell in our life. And as believers, God is walking in us, working in us, and walking with us. And God, the Lord, is saying, stop being anxious. Not only did the Apostle Paul say that, but Jesus said it. In John 14, he says, let not your heart be troubled. He says, you believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He says, stop being anxious about the end of life. Start being, stop being anxious about me leaving you. Stop being anxious. Where I am, there you're going to be also. This is my promise to you. Hear my promise. It's true. You believe God, believe me. I'm going to take care of you. And later in John chapter 14, he says in verse 27, some very, something very similar. Listen, peace I leave to you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your, your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Amen. You see, Christ gives you peace. Christ has made every provision for you to overcome fear. And your anxiety is rooted in fear, but not in faith. And Jesus has given you a gift, and the gift is his peace. And you don't have to live in that fear. Jesus' teaching on this classically is found in the Sermon on the Mount. If you have your Bible, or maybe it's on the screen, look with me to uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 6. Do you have your Bible? Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 6. There it is. And so, in verse number 25, let's just sort of walk through this together, Sermon on the Mount. For this reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor for your body as to what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Now here's the question. Are you not worth much more than they? Does God take care of feeding the birds every day? For Father's Day, my oldest daughter, Valerie, sent me a uh, bird feeder and a big bag of seed. It came from Amazon. 
And so uh, I opened up that box and there was the bird feeder and the bird seed and it said it was a squirrel proof bird feeder. So we filled that bird feeder up and hung it in a tree in the backyard looking forward to watching the birds eat the bird seed. And so uh, the next morning I got up, the bird feeder was on the ground and all the seed was eaten. Well, I looked at that and I thought, so we rearranged it, put it on a different limb, refilled it. And the next day, guess what? It was on the ground and they'd eaten all the bird feed. Now, Christy persuaded me not to get the shotgun. And so, uh, so uh, I was thinking about, <clears throat> so we put it up a third time and same result. So I was watching carefully to see what was happening. It was maybe squirrel proof, but it's not raccoon proof. I'm just telling you right now. Now I'll tell you what didn't happen. Those mornings where the feed was all eaten by the coons, the birds did not peck on the window and said, preacher, we're waiting for our food today. No, why? Because their heavenly father feeds them. Now listen to me. How much more are you worth than birds? He'll take care of your needs. He knows the deepest need in your heart, and he is with you, and he takes care of you. Huh. Verse number 27, And which of you being anxious for, can add a single cubit to his life? Now, quickly, how, how long is a cubit? Do you know? Hmm? About 18 inches, all right? So it's 18 inches, and it says, Who can add it to his life's span? My translation says... Literally, in the Greek New Testament, it says, who can add a cubit to its height? I think the idea is, who can, who can add to the length of your days? None of us can. Your days are held by the Lord. But you can't, you can't add to your height. You can't add to your length. You can't at all. I went to the doctor the other day for a physical checkup and talk about my physical condition or lack of it. And he... Uh, began to talk about, you know, Tim, what we got to do about this and that and about your eating and about your A1C and where your diabetes is at, blah, 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 blah. And so uh, he's, I was talking about weight and, and I said, well, I, you know, I, I don't think, you know, he said, well, let's look at this chart together. Whoever made up this BMI deal, I'm just saying. <laughs> and so I look at my weight over here and my height and then I look at my weight currently, and then I go over to what I should weigh. And, well, I'm not going to tell you what category we're in, but it's not a good one. And so, anyway, he, he says, so, Tim, now what is this saying to you? And I said, what it says to me, doctor, is I need to grow three more inches. <laughs> <clears throat> well, honestly, I can't do that, can I? You can't either. And you can't extend the length of your days. They are held by God. And he's the one taking care of your life. Amen. And notice as Jesus continues, he says, And why are you anxious about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They don't toil nor spin. And I say to you, Solomon in all of his glory is not clothed as one of these. He said, There's nothing more beautiful than the flowers of the field. And as God takes care of a rain, this, God makes those flowers beautiful just for his own pleasure. And if God takes care of them, can he take care of you? Those flowers are here today, tomorrow they're thrown in the, their fuel for a furnace. How much more 
so will he take care of you. Oh, men of little faith. So don't be anxious, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we clothe ourselves? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. That's what the world lives after. But your heavenly Father, now he, the distinction is between Gentiles, the folks that don't know God, and you. You have a heavenly Father. And he knows that you need all of these things. So seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough trouble of its own. He says you have a heavenly father. This is the point of it. In, in, in the sixth chapter, when he's talking about prayer, he said when you pray, don't pray like the Gentiles pray, thinking by their many words that the God, they will be heard. He says, God's not impressed by your babbling and your many words. Your heavenly said, don't pray like them. Your father knows what you need even before you ask him. You are, listen to me, my friends. You are a child of God. And you have a loving heavenly father who meets the deepest need in your life. And you don't have to live in consuming anxiety and stress because God has you right in his hands and he's taking care of you he'll never leave you he'll never forsake you he's with you always you see anxiety is saying God can't be trusted since I can't trust God to take care of me he's too busy with other things he's not taking care of me so I got to take care of myself and I'm, I'm just filled with this anxiety all the time to take care of me or I've got to enlist other people you're supposed to be taking care of me no let's stop all that and say God I trust you I'm yours take care of me he is with you and when you try to trust anyone else it's insufficient including yourself second thing is do pray don't be anxious but do pray he says, be anxious for nothing, but everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. First of all, pray. Prayer is a worshipful attitude, an act of reverence, a coming before God and saying, God, I'm entering into your sovereign, authoritative presence. And you bring your supplications, that's your petition, your needs. You bring your need before God. And you bring it before him with thanksgiving. Let it shaped with thanksgiving. Thankfulness, grateful to God for all the way he's blessed you. All the way that he's taken care of you. He is your heavenly father. How he redeemed you in the cross of Christ. How he drew you through the spirit of God. How he converted you and caused you to be born again. How he made you a child of God. How he's written your name in heaven. How he's made you a citizen of heaven. How he's put his spirit within you. How he never leaves you nor forsakes you. That God walks with you. He takes care of the deepest need. That you can be an overflow of thanksgiving to God's blessings in your life. And let your request be made known unto him. Will you let him know your request? Bring your needs before him. You don't have to conjole God. You don't have to manipulate God. Don't treat God like some divine vending machine. You've got to put in the coins in the right order and maybe shake it to get what you want. That's not God. 
Prayer is not you informing God of your problem. God already knows all about your problems, and he knows about the problems you have that you don't even know about. But prayer is communicating with a father, a father that loves you and trusting him with all of your life. Are you praying? Are you listening? Are you talking with God? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you, Jesus said. For everyone asks, receives, and to him who seeks, keeps seeking, he will find. And the one who knocks and keeps knocking, it will be opened unto him. And then Jesus said, which one of you, being, which one of you if your son should ask him for a loaf, would you give him a stone? No. If he should ask you for a fish, would you give him a snake? You wouldn't, would you? He said, then if you being evil, sinful, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask him? Your heavenly Father will take care of you. So instead of filling your mind with fear, Fill your mouth with prayer and trust in Almighty God. Amen? Amen. The book of Ephesians, chapter number 6, verse number 18. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. How? In the Spirit. With this in view, be on alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Be a people of prayer. Pray in the Spirit. Pastor, what does that mean? Be prayed filled with the Spirit, in alignment with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in you. He's groaning from you. He's making prayer and intercession for you. And when you're praying in alignment with Scripture, when you're praying in alignment with the Spirit of God, I'm just telling you, there's power in that prayer. Pray that way. Walk with God. Pray in alignment with His Word. Pray in the Spirit. Amen? Amen. And the Lord answers that prayer. Pray for our nation. How many of y'all believe we need to pray for our country right now? What a mess we live in. We're reaping the whirlwind of sin in our life and the generations even before us. But now's the time for the church not to shrink back, but to pray. Amen? Listen to what Paul had to say about this in, in Second Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy And chapter number 2, 1 Timothy chapter number 2, first of all, then I urge you that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. Pray for everyone. Pray for all of us. We need to pray for our nation. Amen. Pray for our neighbors. We need to pray for our teachers and pray for our firemen and pray for our police and pray for our nation and pray for our universities, pray for our young adults and we need to pray Number two, pray for kings and all in authority. We need to pray for people in authority. We need to pray for those who are in leadership in our land. We need to pray for local aldermen, and we need to pray for local mayors, and we need to pray for, we need to pray for representatives in state and federally. We need to pray for senators, and we need to pray for a governor. And, and not just condemn, but pray. We need to pray for our president. We need to pray for executive people and congresspeople. 
It's time for the church of Jesus Christ to be a people of prayer. And what are we praying for? Not just that things would be done politically the way we think. We need to be praying that there might be tranquility in the land. And isn't that what government ought to provide? A sense of peace and tranquility for people so that the gospel could be preached all over this land. Because the thing that's going to change this world is not a placard. The thing that's going to change this world is not voting this person in or another necessarily. But what will change this world is the gospel of Jesus Christ and the transforming work of God in lives. And that's what we need desperately. We're seeing the fruit of that lack of love for God and understanding of God and even belief in God. And the whole system is torn apart. It's time for the church to be people of prayer. Amen? Amen. My friends, and when you do, the God, they says the peace of God that surpasses all of your understanding, beyond, that blows your mind, a peace that comes from God will guard your heart. The, guard, the word guard means keep, to watch over, to protect like, a, like a, a soldier. And it's guarding your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. Let's trust in him. Number three, do focus your mind, he says. And this is another thing that brings an antidote to this anxiety. And that is, brethren, whatever is true, honorable, holy, uh, honorable, right, pure, lovely, good repute, if there's anything excellent, anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. Think on these things. Consider these things. Meditate on these things. Calculate these things. Ruminate on these good things. I wish we had time to walk through the whole list. We don't, but he says, what, I'm just going to pick out a few. He says, whatever things are true. Okay, listen close to me. Can I tell you what the culture says is true isn't necessarily true. Often not true. Truth comes from God's word. Not the winds of culture. Culture will eat your lunch if you're not grounded in truth. His word is truth. You can't discern what is morally and ethically right if it's not connected to truth. Whatever is noble. It means that which is dignified, above reproach, that inspires respect. Whatever is right, dikaios is the word, it's where we get the word righteousness from. It's, it conforms to the law of God, to what is just and what is right. We need to, yes, there's, the church of Jesus Christ ought to be about what is right and what is true and what is loving. And we need to care for the widow and the orphan and the stranger. And we need to be broken for lost people and for the alien. And we need to be all about the righteousness of God. Listen, righteousness is found in Jesus Christ. The gospel is the way that we're made right with God by believing and trusting in the gospel. The gospel power that transforms lives. That's what brings righteousness. Romans 1 verse 16, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, to the Gentile. 
and from it, the righteousness in it, the righteousness of God is being revealed. From faith unto faith. Righteous, what is right and what is true, and it's found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whatever is pure, the God's holiness. What is lovely, what is pleasing, of good repute. He just goes on, anything excellence. He says, think on these things. Dwell on them. Now listen close. What is your mind dwelling on? What are you contemplating on? What, are you, what do you fill your mind with? I want to give you a word of advice. Just listen. Some of you need to turn cable TV off the news and quit watching it for a while. You're talking about filling your heart with anxiety. You watch that and you just get all wound up. You think the world's coming to an end. And there's no sense of God in it all. So whatever your flavor is, if you're watching Fox, turn it off. If you're watching CNN, turn it off. Why don't you just, instead of doing that, let's read God's word and fill our mind with truth and experience God's peace that he's got a hold of us. Amen? Psalm 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The words of my mouth, listen, and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. That's a good word for me. And a good word for you. Amen. Finally, practice these things. What things? He said the things that you've seen in chapter 4, verse 9. He said... He says, the things you've learned that I taught you and others, and you've received them, and you've heard them, and you saw me practice them, do them, you practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. This is discipleship. He says, the things you've heard us teach, the things you've learned from us and others, the things that you've received, and then you saw them, live it out. Now listen close. Don't get distracted. Listen. Transformation happens in relationship and in your relationship with God. Transformation doesn't happen by going to a Bible study only. Now I can t- listen, I love this book. I love it. I, 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 I love reading God's Word. It is rich and powerful unerring, never leads you astray, and it's filled with life. But listen to me. You can read this Bible every day, and your life won't be changed. You can go to a Bible study every night of the week, and your life won't necessarily be changed. Because knowledge alone doesn't change your life. Now listen. It's the doing of God's Word that changes you. It's when I take this knowledge and understanding of the word and here's my life here and I look at what the word is and what my life is like. The transformation is when I'm repentant to God that I am convicted by the spirit that I am 
bringing my life intentionally and asking God's Spirit to change me and into alignment with His Word. That's where transformation takes place. It's doing it. It's obeying it. It's applying it into your life. That's why Paul writes in chapter 3, verse 17, Brethren, join in following my example. Observe those who walk according to the pattern that you have in us. Trace your life after ours, because we're walking it out. James said, do not be merely hearers of the word only, but doers of the word. And that's when you will be blessed. This, when you do this, then the God of peace is with you. The peace of God in your mind and your heart. And the God of peace is with you. This is an antidote. An antidote for this anxiety. Hmm. A couple of questions. Are you given to anxiousness and fear? Why? What is the source of that fear? Where is your faith and your trust? The second question is, will you trust God? I mean, will you? Is, I want to ask you a question. How many of y'all believe God's trustworthy? Yes. Will you trust him? Will you trust him? Evaluate your prayer life with me. What is it like, really? And I exhort you. Become a person of prayer. Get a journal. Write your prayers. Talk to God. Let your requests be made known to Him. Trust in Him. And watch how He will answer. And then commit to do what you believe. Let's do what we say we believe. And get it in alignment. Amen? Amen. Father in heaven, thank you for the power and the truth of your word today. And Father, as we look at this great instruction, I pray that, Father, that today, that today, that, Father, we'll turn from our sinfulness and our churned-up anxieties, and we will trust in you as a loving Father who's sovereignly in control of this world. Father, if there's somebody here that doesn't know Christ as Savior, I pray that today they would turn from their sin and trust in Jesus as the Savior and Lord of their life. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.